Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Hey, thank you, Joseph, and welcome everyone. Tonight we're going to talk about a bridge and target and perception modification. These are two major, don't know how to describe it, tools or aspects of SATs. Let's take you right back to the beginning. What is SATs in case you don't know? It's uh, short for Sinalia Training Systems. Sinalia is comes from Synergistic Alliances, or that's initially where it came from. And it turns out that it literally means in Latin with others, which just happens to totally fit what we do. So um, SATS is a philosophy as well as a training method. And the philosophy is that animals are different, but equal to us in our working relationships. And they deserve to be treated with uh, honesty, integrity, information sharing, and sovereignty. So we try to give them, uh, we try to ask their permission before we just, for example, you know, take blood or something like that. So that is the framework of SATs. Well, how did it develop? I was initially a marine mammal trainer and an exotic animal trainer, well, at least in my adult professional career. As a kid, I I showed dogs in confirmation and I trained dogs in obedience and we had horses that I rode and trained. But when I went off to college, I started training marine mammals And from there, I trained zoo animals. And then I got back to working with livestock at the University of Maryland. And then I went on my own as a consultant. And I work with zoos and oceanariums all over the world. And also with domestic animals and pets. Mostly, I train professional trainers these days. And so we have a training system. And we have classes that people hear about and they want to take, which I'm really glad about. But we haven't offered all of them lately. And the reason is when all of a sudden coronavirus reared its ugly head and we were not able to go in person to do seminars and classes and so forth, we had to reformat everything so it could be online. In the end, this is going to be really great because people can now get fully certified in perception modification over the internet. That's amazing. And it took a lot of work, believe me. And it improved the classes because you have more time, you know, and the people have more time to learn. And it turns out that it really does take this time. We started out teaching uh, perception modification and bridge and target together 
in three days. People were in tears. They really wanted to do it. They really wanted to get it right. It was just a lot of material. And it had to be so superficial. So the people were still successful with it and so on. But we wanted to impart a more complete understanding, a more uh, complete readiness to take on the challenges. So we didn't do Bridge and Target for years. Bridge and Target was actually the first class or they were the first classes that we taught. So what I'd like to do is just explain how these two things fit together. Perception modification and bridge and target. And believe me, there's a lot more. But what we found as people came to seminars, wanting to be able to teach bridge and target to their animals, which is a system of using bridges and targets to communicate anything to an animal. You can communicate behavior, simple and complex, but you can also communicate uh, concepts like over versus under, around versus between, left, right, ventral, dorsal, proximal, distal, all these different things that we needed uh, to work with the animals, especially with vets in the case of that vocabulary. And what we saw at these seminars is that these dogs were pressured. In general, they were not ready to learn in a seminar setting. And so we stopped. We stopped offering bridge and target and made it a requirement that people could not take the bridge and target until they had taken and passed the perception modification. That made a world of difference. We knuckled down, buckled down on teaching animals the content of perception modification. Well, what is that? Perception modification is a set of protocols that empower animals to cope with stress, manage their emotions, and even dissolve their difficult behaviors. Now, beyond all my expectations, it has an incredible additional quality. And that is that the animals generally become self-managing. Whoa, any trainer can tell you how huge that is. Because I think definitely for me, but for other colleagues, the biggest fear, you know, you you work with these animals and they're good animals, but they aren't skilled. They don't have good social graces and daily living skills. So you climb down into the trenches with them and you teach them and you encourage them. And you see them climbing out of the trenches with you and working so hard to be that animal. And you're so proud of them and you're so relieved because now you're in love with them and you do not want them to fail. 
And it's time to send them back home, back into the environment where they first had this problem. Now, that's not to say that the owners are in any way at fault. A lot of animals come with baggage. But what I will say is the owner is not an animal trainer. That's why they hired us. And they're busy trying to you know, do their jobs and take care of their households and their families and, and their dogs and other animals. They are not really signing on to become professional trainers. I hear trainers lamenting often. Well, they didn't do their homework and la, 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 la. Sheesh. I mean, did they have any idea that we expected them to do homework? Isn't it our job to train the animals? Well, it is if we can do that. And with perception modification, we can apparently. So perception modification has a bunch of tools that we use to accomplish these miracles. And the tools are, for, uh, name and explain, bridges, targets, condition relaxation, and cycles. So there's five tools. And what kind of problems can we solve with those tools? Just about anything that is mediated by emotions. So if the dog gets aroused, if he gets frightened, if he gets too excited, if he's not excited enough, if he wants to kill something, if he wants to go lick it too much, if he is afraid, terrified of noises like thunder and lightning, if he's terrified of his owner leaving as in separation anxiety, if he's afraid of the vets, if he's afraid of getting his nails done, if he doesn't want to be touched, if he doesn't want to get his ears done, if he doesn't want to uh, get his teeth looked at. All of these problems can be solved using the same set of protocols. So we now teach this in two 10-week classes. And the first class takes you through condition relaxation. And so the animal will learn the bridges, the targets, name and explain, condition relaxation, which means all the body parts, all the states of the body parts, the mental states, not just the arousal or the fear, but the opposing mental state. And we're also going to make sure he understands if-then statements where we teach the animal what he gains by managing himself. And in that class, we're going to take the animal through five milestones. They're going to sound trivially simple, but they are so fundamental and so transformative. When the animal learns and achieves these milestones, it will change him forever. So here's what the milestones are. 
the animal has to learn that he has a mental state. You know, when a dog starts barking or growling or going after somebody else, they may not be thinking, oh, I'm going to be a bad dog. I'm going to go get that dog. They may just be acting out. They may not even question why they're doing something or even what they're doing. But we can teach them to be aware and to evaluate what they're doing. But we don't stop there. We teach other mental states and other emotions as well. So first he has to recognize he has a mental state. Then he has to recognize he has more than one. Then he has to recognize that he can move between those mental states. Then he has to learn how to move between those mental states. And then he has to be able to attain and maintain relaxation on request and um, solve that problem. So those are the five uh, milestones. And that takes us to the next class. Once the animal has shown that he, oh, I want to add one other aspect to that last mental state. He has to attain and maintain relaxation and he has to choose to do it on his own because the professional trainer is not going to be there to enforce things. So we have to make sure that we get buy-in from the animals. Unfortunately, it isn't very difficult to do. So once we get through the condition relaxation, we go straight into cycles. And cycles is a formulaic way to break down triggers and reconstruct them so that we can build the animal's ability to respond differently to the triggers that used to cause him to lose himself. Cycles is a big, hairy deal. It takes a lot for people to not just learn how they work, but to become fluent in applying them. And when they do, they just fundamentally change the way they educate animals in a really great way. So what we get from all of this is the actual initial time to help an animal conquer a significant problem averages only 15 hours. Now, first cases, they're probably not going to take you 15 hours because you're learning right along with the animal. But it is still amazing at how quickly you can turn things around. Now, when I say it normally takes 15 hours, I don't care if it's separation anxiety. You can normally turn it around in 15 hours. We've even turned around animals with obsessive compulsive behaviors. And those animals have taken more time in the, the experience that I have with them. So it can take more than 15 hours, but the majority of the problems can be largely solved in 15 hours or less of training time.
So you got to get busy, learn how to do this, become comfortable with it so that you can just apply. Because the big problem that people have is that they don't recognize context and they get confused by context shifts. So let me put that another way for you. Let's say you had to learn your way around the city and you had to be able to get to a specific house. So you had to learn the address and the lay of the city and what roads intersected what roads. And then you had to, you know, just get there. And then all of a sudden, somebody blocked the road that you always approach from and you had to come in on another road and you were coming into the back of the house, not the front of the house. And you would probably feel very uncomfortable because from the back, you don't have any road marks. You don't, the house doesn't look the same. You don't have the same ways to recognize all your good work has been robbed, stripped away. And so to really know a house, you have to know it from every different aspect. What would it look like if you landed on the roof? What would you look like if you approached from the north, the south, the east, the west? If somebody changed the trees, could you still recognize it, et cetera, et cetera. And this is what we do in cycles. And the results are amazing. So what are those results? Well, they're diverse and numerous. For the first thing, we solved the problem that the animals started out with. Uh, I know people that complain about fireworks and they describe their dog suffering for years over fireworks. My limited experience is that I usually solve that problem in one single fireworks session. We've got a formula for it. It's very easy. Everybody can do it. And the dogs tend to sleep through the fireworks. I have lots of pictures from people showing their animals sleeping through the fireworks. Why not do that, right? So you're going to solve the problem, but you're going to do more than that because you're teaching the dog to solve his own problems or any animal. It doesn't have to be a dog. You're teaching the animal to solve his own problems, to understand how these behavioral problems build up and what he can do to opt out of having behavioral problems. And here comes my favorite story again, because it's the story of wood green and it just so aptly illustrates this. So at wood green, they had 29 animals that were slated for euthanasia because they had some trait that made them unhomeable. Either they might bite or one was an obsessive compulsive tail chaser. One wanted to ram people. There was a horse that was downright nasty and dangerous. And we had just certified trainers at Wood Green. And uh, people went to the hierarchy at Wood Green and said, can we try 
this SATS training system to see if we can help these dogs. Uh, it wasn't like overjoyed to, to, to at this idea, but they did agree to give these dogs two weeks to solve their problems. It, it, it was a bunch of dogs and one goat and one horse. And two weeks later, what do you think the results were? 27 of those animals had reversed their problems, mastered their on and off leash obedience, and they were ready to be put up for adoption. 27 of the 29 animals reclaimed and recreated their lives in two weeks. Animals that had spent up to three years in the shelter escaped orbit at the shelter. Within a week, they were all adopted. What about the last two animals? The last two animals took an additional two weeks. Now, they might have taken less than two weeks, but the dogs were, the animals were assigned to the special behavior unit in two week blocks. So if they didn't do it in the first two weeks, they were given one more round of two weeks. So these animals were the very difficult horse and the tail chasing bull terrier. So what happened with them? You can see the videos on my YouTube channel and you can see it at cinelia.com slash press. I think you can see all of these, but you can definitely see Jim, the tail chasing bull terrier. And in two weeks, Jim had learned all her on and off lead obedience. But here's what's truly miraculous. Jem learned to manage her obsessive compulsive tail chasing on her own without supervision, without intervention. We've got video showing her doing this. No medications. At the end of her second two weeks, she was also put up for adoption and she was adopted within one week. And how about the horse? Her name was Safi. Safi had to learn many additional things, not just basic obedience, you know, cooperating when you uh, eat and get led around and so on, but she had to learn about grooming. She had to learn about getting her feet trimmed and she had to learn to ride on a horse trailer or a horse float, however you know it. At the end of those two weeks, Safi did all of those things. And she went home to her new owners. And um, we were eager to hear what happened. What happened next? So at the end of two years, I checked and none of the animals had been returned to Woodgreen. Not one out of the 29 animals that were all slated for euthanasia had been returned. So I wonder, did they go someplace else? Did they simply get euthanized somewhere? Could we check this? So Annette Harwood was the trainer that did 
most of this great work with help from her colleagues. There, there was a lot of great training going on. But anyway, they checked, Annette checked with all the owners and every single animal was still happily in their new homes after two years after they'd been placed. Here's another amazing thing. None of those owners had been told anything about how to support those dogs to maintain this good behavior. They didn't know about name and explain, bridges, targeting, cycles, condition relaxation. I don't know if they even knew the animal ever had a problem. They just sent these animals into these new homes and the animals were the heroes of their own lives. They were able to successfully live in their new families. Um, I think Ebony was this young male dog that was very dog reactive, very aggressive. He wanted to bite people and other animals. And he went home to a family that already had another dog in addition to him. And he did great. And you can see a lot of these videos. We have videos of Durbin the goat, Safi the horse, Jem, uh, Ebony, and also Star. You can look up Star's big day. It's very heartwarming. Okay, so then what happened? So we have all these animals solving their problems. They're becoming safe. They're becoming compatible with humans. They're maintaining it on their own. They're not requiring special accommodations from their owners. Here's what else we found happens in a lot of the cases. With my zoo animals, they had exceptionally long lives. The animals just prosper to a much higher degree. We know that stress is responsible or, or stress causes most disease conditions. If we can teach animals to cope with stress appropriately, then what do we get? Well, with my zoo animals, my sea lions had an expected lifespan of 20 years. They lived 26 and 30 or right around there. My gray seals expected lifespan of 30 years. Longevity for a male was 33. My male lived to be 38. My female broke all records at 43. My horse is currently 31 and a half. My monkey lived to be 32 instead of the expected lifespan of 20 or 25 years at the max. The um, conure, same expectation. He also lived to be 32. My German Shepherd lived to be almost 16. My Doberman, almost 13. It's not a flash in the pan thing. I am seeing exceptionally long lives for the animals that gain these skills. And here is one more benefit. And this is why we always teach this verse. When we teach perception modification, not only do we knock the big problems out of the way and safeguard the animals by empowering with them with these skills, 
but we also teach them to study. They study the effect of the dopamine on their behavior and what they really get when they manage themselves. And that prepares them to be excellent students ready for bigger challenges. So whereas at the seminars, I had a lot of dogs that came in to learn all this great stuff, but I had to teach the owners because the dogs couldn't work very long, especially not in a seminar setting. They could work indefinitely on perception modification. It's a different kind of learning. And tiredness actually seems to help with it. But if you want to teach an animal to take on new information and new skills, he has to be ready. He has to be mentally prepared to be a student. You know, just like with a human child, you can have a smart little kid, but you send them to kindergarten when they're at that appropriate age. You don't try to get them to sit through a physics lecture, even if they're going to be a fantastic physicist later when they have accrued their skills in being scholars and, you know, having discipline and focus and yeah. And Bridge and Target is a really fast, dense system. We teach the bridges and the target, the basic finger target, in one minute, two bridges and the finger target in one minute. It takes approximately another minute to teach a duration up to the count of eight. It takes another minute to teach all three of the basic targets and maybe one more minute to add the hierarchies. It takes a minute to teach the go out, the send away. I kid you not. In five or 10 minutes, we can load an animal with so much information and he usually retains it. Now, if he doesn't retain it, it's no big deal. When we see him next time, if he hesitates when I name a body part, I'll just remind him, okay, we're talking about your leg. You have two legs. Here's your left one. Here's your right one. This is left front, right front. Do you have two other legs? Yeah, you've got your rear legs, your left rear leg, your right rear leg. So see, you have four of them, one, two, three, four, and they're all on the ground. This is plant. Now, if you lift your leg, that's high. Can you lift your left leg? Good job. That's high. Your right leg? Good job. Can you put both your right and left leg up? So I ask him to jump up on my arm. There you go. That's high. Now, can you get plant again? Good job. This is how we teach animals not to jump up on people. And it often just takes a minute or two. So this is the realm of bridge and target. It is fascinating, exciting, fun. The animal gets excited. You know, he's excited to learn. It's you're kind of giving him the keys to the kingdom. You're explaining all these things that open up all of life to him. Now, as we do that, we're also enlisting the collaboration of the animal. So we don't take a perspective of, 
I am the master and you are the animal and you will do as I say. We, you know, we could do that, but it would be foolish. And the reason I say it would be foolish, if you train dogs and cats, maybe you could have the perspective that, you know, that I am, I decree what will happen here. But I've got news for you. If you have broader experience and you train even horses, horses, cows, donkeys, you're going to learn that you have a much happier, safer, probably longer life if you get buy-in from the animals, if you get collaboration. If you kind of lord over an animal, you create extra problems for yourselves because the animal You'll, you can see it in their face. You tell them to do something and you'll get this like little dash of the eyes, which tells me that the animal's going, well, I don't have to do that. I was perfectly ready to do that. And then you had to make it an order. Have you ever felt that way? I've felt that way. Why do it? Why make it a contest? Why not just go forward like you do with your other friends that you don't control and say, okay, this is the mission. This is what we're trying to do. I can do this. Can you do this part? Okay, I'll, I'll support you. All right, can you hold your target here? Can you put your chin target right here? Good, 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 good. All right, that was really good. That was for the count of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There we go, eight. All right, eight incidents. Can you do it for 16? Okay, now I didn't keep track of that one. I can, but I didn't. So we'll just imagine that was 16. Look how easy, look how beautiful that is. I generally will get 93% compliance on old or new behaviors with animals that I work with. It's not perfect, but it's very good. But I get more than that. I get the animal working with me to solve problems, to come up with better solutions. Even a crab, for goodness sakes. I had a crab named Spike at the Old Dominion University. He loved to learn. We keep them in the dark because in their natural habitat, it was dark. And when I would come into the lab and turn on the lights, he'd be sitting there doing his pinchers like this. He learned so quickly. And to take him out to look at his carapace under the microscope for something we were trying to study I put this bowl, and you can see this at thecinelia.com slash press. And he would have to back into this bowl like so. He couldn't just, he couldn't walk backwards. He had to go side to side and just kind of angling into it. And then he would put his little black back short spinnerets in. And then he would manage to put his front feet in and fold them all up. And really, by the end of the time that I knew him, he couldn't fit his whole body in, but he fit most of it in and cooperated with that. 
So one day I went in to work with him and I put my hand in the water holding the bowl and spiked him up and tried to put his pinchers on my thumb. Well, he surprised me. He scared me. I went, ah, and I shock him off, shook him off. And I sat there for just a minute and I felt really ashamed. <coughs> Excuse me, dry voice. There we go. So I made myself put my hand in again and give him the chance to show me what he wanted to show me. And what he did is he came forward. He didn't pinch my finger. He just held on to it just tightly enough that he could pull his body into the bowl directly. In other words, Spike had a better idea. In this particular case, Spike was a superior being. Blew my mind. Blew everybody's mind. It is amazing. Spike is not the first or the last animal to come up with a better idea. How wonderful that we have a way to invite these animals to share their ideas with confidence with us to make it all better. But it doesn't stop there with Bridge and Target. So with Bridge and Target, you start out with this graphic way to show the animal the behavior that you want, like jump up or get on this chair or back into this bowl or whatever. But you're also building vocabulary as you go. So you name body parts, you name locations, individuals, uh, props, toys, types of food, activities, you name everything. You definitely tell the animal what is happening around him and what you're going to do and what he should do about it and how you hope he will act. You give him feedback for all of those things. You teach concepts like high versus low, up, down, right, left, over, under, all of that. And your targeting progresses to something that is so fast and fluent that many people will not be able to follow it. But the animal follows it beautifully. He can quickly and seamlessly understand what you're demonstrating with your targets, with your hand targets or, you know, whatever kind of targets you're using. So I use hand targets all the time, except if I'm working with lions, tigers, chimpanzees, that kind of thing. You know, if the animal is not safe to have direct contact with, then we'll use other targets. But it doesn't matter what kind of target you use. The target is almost like your little magic pencil that you draw the behavior for the animal and then show how that behavior moves through space. As you get really good at it, we teach something called touchback targeting, where we can touch the animal any place and have them target that body part or that body location to wherever we ask them to be. 
whether it's touching back our hand or putting that body part in connection with the ground. So one of the sequences I enjoy teaching is where you take a, an animal that's standing, in this case, a dog, and you teach it to sit. So the sit is the shoulders are raised, but the bum goes to the ground. Then stand where the shoulders and the bum are both up, down where they're both down on the ground, and play or bow where the chest is on the ground, the shoulders are down, and the bum is up. And we can get a smooth sequence of that where the dog is flowing through this sequence of behaviors. It looks amazing. I'm frustrated because uh, it's another story, which I won't tell now. I never got past three and that makes me cry. We're going to try it again. Anyway, so you go from this very fluent interaction with touch where we're using touch to talk to the animals. And then we add verbal language. We use the touch and the targets to demonstrate these concepts for the animals and we'll like touch something and say this is your shoulder so we use a target that way we'll touch a new item and we'll name that for the animal so we literally use the touch to build the vocabulary and then we transition the vocabulary or the targets out so for example i'll say can you touch this target good Okay, I'm going to move it forward a step. Can you go from here and then go to the target there? Good, that's walking. You're walking from here to the target. Can you do it again? Set the target out ahead. And it's like, okay, good, 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 good. There you go. That was walking. Can we walk back? Good, 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 good. Can we walk twice as far, etc. Now, as soon as we do this, we can drop the targets out. As soon as we teach the animal the name of the gate, like walk or run, front, the direction, front or back, right or left, the orientation, north or south, east or west, ventral, dorsal, proximal, distal. Once we've done those things, we don't have to have a target in there anymore. We have now transitioned to the cognitive tool of language. You are now off to the races. So the initial classes in Bridge and Target do not cover this. This is a more advanced skill. And we like to see people get a certain level of proficiency at simple targeting first because you have to be fluent if you're going to have a conversation with an animal. And a lot of people will just treat it like a dog and pony show. Like we've taught horses and dogs uh, what a phone is, what glasses are, what your keys are, what the remote control is. And then we'll say, Okay, we'll hold up these objects and we'll say, can you show me the glasses? And the dog goes right to it. All right, can you show me the remote control? Yes, that's it. That's great. And then, you know, we do the other two objects. So then you leave it alone. 
except when you need to talk about the remote control or the glasses or the keys or the cell phone. You don't go say to the dog, okay, we've got an audience here. Um, show them the cell phone. Good. Show them the remote control. Do you know how boring that is? No, we have a different way of progressing forward and it demands more from the trainer, but boy, is it fun. You'll be well rewarded for putting in the effort to master these things. So this is why perception modification is a precursor to bridge and target. The animal needs to have certain skills for daily living that he learns in perception modification. And then we're ready to take on the tasks. And the task could be just for fun, or it could be for obedience, but it could also be for more advanced training like protection or detection identification, uh, service dogs, alert dogs, search and recovery dogs. It goes on and on. I've had a number of trainers in particular that train service dogs that have said to me one to, uh, it's pretty close to a quote here. What used to take me two years takes me two months. What took me two months takes me two weeks. What took me two weeks takes me two days. And we've had trainers have to redesign their businesses because they were basing their classes on a six-week obedience course. And they found out they could cover all of their obedience using our techniques in one or two weeks. So what did they do? They'd already sold the people a six or an eight week class. What did they do next? They started, they, they finished the classwork that they needed to finish for the obedience. And then they kept going and teaching all kinds of other useful things like getting your nails trimmed, finding the family members. You know, wouldn't it be useful to be able to ask your dog, where is Johnny? And have the dog understand what you want and know how to take you right there. We teach them games. We make training fun. And now these people that came to the trainer, possibly just to solve a problem. They say in marketing that people come because of pain and they stay because they love what they're doing. And so it's the problem that brings you the client, but you can turn that into a long-term relationship. And don't you like to do that? Wouldn't you enjoy teaching dogs interesting skills instead of just fixing the ugly problems? And wouldn't you enjoy selling to the same client over and over again. Owners, uh, you're not going to sell to yourself. I understand that. But if 
if you're going to have to spend six weeks to train your dog, wouldn't it be great to get a lot more done more quickly, more easily with more joy and more fun and to build your relationship with your animal as you go Two degrees that people are reporting left and right that this system is transformative for their relationship with their animals. That the animals just become a different partner than they had ever experienced before. We're about to open the class on perception modification. It's only offered once a year. This is the 10-week class that can lead to another 10-week class for certification. And we also now have a new standalone class that is another option. But you have to do one of those classes, which would either be, if you're just starting, you're either going to do the standalone class or you're going to do the first 10-week class. And then after that, you don't have to take the cycles class in Bridge and Target at this time. But after that, you would be eligible to join a Bridge and Target class. And we are now actively, diligently working to get the Bridge and Target classes online. And I am so eager because this is so much fun. So dust off your dreams with animals. Think about why you got a dog. What would be the ultimate adventures that you would like to experience with your dog? And I'll see you in class, starting with perception modification and then bridge and target from self-management skills to learning skills. And it's an e-ride. All right. So see you there. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, please, uh, this is complicated, but on Podomatic, you have to join like you're going to do your own podcast in order to like or comment on these. And one of um, our uh, fans and participants, Jackie Knapp, reported to, that I should tell you guys that you do not, there's one that costs, two, one option to join that costs $2.99 a month. You don't have to pay anything. Choose the free option. Unless you decide to do your own podcast, in which case, good on you and charge forth. But to comment and like, all you have to do is join as if you're going to put a podcast on Podomatic. And um, Jackie has left a lot of really thought-provoking comments. And now I'm working on learning how to get in there to answer them. I haven't been able to find a way to answer them. We... So if you like this for us, it helps so much. If you comment, it helps even more. Helps us to get the word out. And we also have a YouTube version of this. You just go to YouTube and search 
Training with Casey. And please subscribe, like it, and comment. And what I've done there is I have made a bunch of playlists so that you can kind of, you know, rivet in on a particular subject or aspect of training. Ah, thank you. Take care. We'll see you next time. Hey fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Covert on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Cover. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.